Listeners, welcome back to the Lost in Postulation podcast. I'm Nicola Volpi, and I'm joined as always by someone that, if you really want to get on his nerves, make sure to cheat on board game night. It's the one and only Neil Fitzpatrick. I can't speak right now. I'm so triggered by what you just said. That is not okay. Seriously, and I'm happy to get into it. Cheating in board games is the dumbest thing for everybody. It's lose, 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 if there's five people playing. It is the stupidest thing, and I hate it. It really, um, yeah, just annoys me so much. I think our listeners sensed that on the last episode, and, and they wrote in wanting a, a bit of the postulation on this. So I'm going to give you the floor. Why does this trigger you so much? Ah. Because there's clearly been some some traumatic elements there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can start with the traumatic element and then I'll I'll try and explain. I was once in, um, I used to live in Portugal, as I mentioned sometimes. And uh, I, I once was, uh, was on a very, very fun weekend away with a bunch of guys who, uh, friends I made there. And someone brought Monopoly. And of course, this is pre me becoming a gaming uh massive board gaming nerd i was only a small board gaming board gaming nerd at that stage and we played monopoly and it like monopoly always does it took 10 hours and was ridiculously long but it transpired it transpired during the game and it, it became clear to me that one of the guys was just like helping himself to the bank as, when, no when people weren't looking you know so he would he and to him this was like part of the game he was like I'm winning. I'm doing the best at stealing. You know, like, but he got. We got quite far into the game before, and I was like, "How is this guy doing so good?" He's like, "Where is the money coming from?" And it turns out, like, he was just he would like distract or like, "Oh my god, look at that!" And then just like help himself to the to the money. And uh, this, to me, is like a cardinal sin, right? Because all of the fun of winning in a board game is like winning fair and square when you prove that you're better than the person you're playing against, right? Mm. And what he, what this person has done there is A, remove the joy of winning for themselves because like they know it, it wasn't a real victory and if anything, it proves that they couldn't win normally if they even wanted to. It's like the only way you could win is by cheating. And then for the other people, it removes the possibility of them winning, first of all. And secondly, if they find out, it's like, I'm never playing with you again. What a waste of time. So... It, it's just lose-lose, as I say, because even if you win when you're cheating, do you really win? Like, you've you've mm. just kind of cracked the system. Now, one little side note from this, though, is it brings me to the interesting world of fantasy football once again, because there mm. is a wealth of data and information available to you now as a fantasy football player, to the point where a lot of people would say it's basically cheating to, to use and leverage the data available, mm. because it's like, what's the competition then? Is it like, who can read the most Reddit threads? Is that what we're competing on? Because I'm going to win then, but like, but that's, that's why you win. Yeah. But that's not something I want to win at. Like, you know, but then right. again, my counterpoint to that is I'm not watching the football, right? I'm never going to watch it. Mm. So it's this or nothing. It's like, you get what you get, you know? So right. as you can hear, not like, not so black and white as I may make it sound other than to say that cheating at a board game is always universally and not a good idea. Let's not do that. You're you're annoying in the sense that you're an optimizer, I would say, having played uh, a lot of things uh, with you, including fantasy football also this season. But just yes. going back to, to your Monopoly example, how does that play out? So when you catch the guy red-handed stealing from the bank, what's next? Do you confront it was, him? Uh, yeah, it was, confront, it was conf confrontation and a bit of a slap on the wrist and a, okay, 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 I'll, I'll stop, right? He knew but exactly then, what he was doing. But you know what happened later, which was the dramatic... Ending and the game ended immediately when this happened. <laughs> one one guy was well in front later on, actually winning through honest means. Right. Mm -hmm. So the player who had previously been cheating turns to the guy in last place and goes, "I'll sell you all my properties for one dollar." 
Uh, and the guy's like, uh, okay, deal. And then he gets all the properties. And suddenly, oh, wow. the guy who was winning is like, what the actual F are you guys doing? I've just, you've just ruined the whole game because like the economy's broken now. This guy's clearly going to win, you know? And the guy's like, mm. yeah, I don't care. I'm, I'm out, you know? As in, he he forfeit the game, basically, uh, which is toxic and it's like not okay. But I would partly blame Monopoly on this one because that that is inherent in the design of Monopoly that if it takes four hours to play, surely mm. you're going to get someone who gives up and goes, all right, you have my properties and it, it ruins the game even further. So yeah, just... Um, just a terrible time and that was the last time I played Monopoly I'm probably never going to play it again if I oh, can wow. help it yeah. and are you uh, always follow the rules or can you have kind of an agreement when you start a game of not a no rules game but uh, there's negotiations involved because you could do that with Monopoly right? yeah yeah I'm a house rules guy that's fine so no. if every player agrees at the start we're going to adapt the rules in these specific ways then fantastic go for it actually I think there's a lot of games that benefit from that where even the the written rules for the game are not so good as, you know, the ones you come up with yourselves. Right. So all for that, no problem there. Uh, the only issue is if you're going to do that, then you better all actually follow that and be very clear about what you mean because, yeah, it can quickly devolve, especially if you have one or two people who are very competitive and very nitpicky about rules, then this can lead to absolute chaos. So be proceed with caution. That's all I can say. Well, those are the rules of the game and the rules of this game, Neil, of this podcast is that listeners, you need to keep postulating. You need to keep helping the podcast grow. Tell one, two, maybe even three friends about it. Write us in, lostinpostulation at gmail.com. Find us on our socials on Instagram. That's at lostinpostulation. On an obscure app called X, which is Neil's favorite, along with his fellow boomers. Absolutely. That is at Impostulation, uh, and you can find all the latest details of Neil's updates on Elon's trial in the state of Delaware. Did not know anything about that, actually. What's happening there? They challenged his compensation from a certain year, I think, like a few years ago, and now he's going all... Uh, he's going against Delaware, which I think is is not fair because, I mean, Delaware, we've all seen Wayne's World. I mean... Delaware, though, isn't that where you set up your company due to the corporate tax loopholes? That's like the place to do it. Even if you're right. from anywhere, any other state, Delaware is the one you, you establish that's, your that's company. That's the one you that. do it in, right? Uh, and not so much loophole, I guess, as it's just the lowest uh, lowest rate. Uh, but then that means that you are legally liable in Delaware, I guess. So that's where he's being uh, allegedly oh, prosecuted. Well, there you go. Another one for Elon in, in the tally of uh, self-demise and destruction. Add it to his wiki for the eventual day where there's a paragraph in his Wikipedia called eventual downfall. This will feature somewhere <laughs> somewhere near the top, I guess. Uh, but still, yeah, in the, in the first third of that paragraph. A quick note on Wikipedia, actually, and this is just top of the dome here. It's amazing how relatively objective in this era Wikipedia has remained, or is that just me? I think it's it's uh, hugely helped by a mass of dedicated volunteers who really do keep up to speed on their little corner of Wikipedia. So mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you can't, th there's a team of people, I guess, uh, responsible for every every page that gets visited with any regularity. So if I go in and just go, Denmark is owned by Sweden, it would take like a matter of seconds before a moderator deletes my account and bans me, you know? So, so there's uh, like a Denmark yeah. page police that 
is ready to go at all times. I think there's enough, because Wikipedia is so popular now and in, internet nerds love any sort of responsibility, They there's enough volunteers working around the clock now as moderators that you can't basically get away with anything uh, on Wikipedia because it's being moderated by some volunteer at all right. times. Uh, and some people take it very seriously, I think. Well, yeah, but I think I kind of give it now, I like to then find other sources and, and do the long reads on things and deep dives, but I do kind of blindly defer to Wikipedia, I find. Like, that's my go-to. If I'm Googling a person, yeah. a celebrity, whatever, because we're having a discussion at the dinner table or whatever, and I want some facts, I mm-hmm. do click into Wikipedia first and foremost and probably end the conversation there. Yeah, I think it's fair. Like, um, if anything else, Wikipedia represents, here's what we can all agree on, basically. So any of the interesting edges of people's character or people's history usually what you won't find there or any alleged things or any like mm. possible you know which is fine the one thing i'm a bit wary of now is when i watch movies or like hamilton for example that that musical and uh say it's really interesting you love it and then you go to the wikipedia page afterwards you start to realize that clearly the author just read this wikipedia page and like almost copy verbatim <laughs> like copy pasted yeah. the the plot points in right uh, because there's many lines in hamilton uh, the $10 founding father without a father. It's like all of this is like clearly Lin Manuel Miranda was like, okay, didn't have a father, put that in. Uh, you know, like just yeah, it, yeah. it really, it's, uh, it reads like a Wikipedia article sometimes. Also, um, the Oppenheimer movie to me reads like a Wikipedia article. If you go to Wikipedia after yeah. watching Oppenheimer, you start to see, oh, wow. Yeah, Chris really just like took a lot of this f- straight out. That was <laughs> the big feedback of it uh, over over the summer. But Neil calling out Lynn Manuel, that's not mundane at all. But Neil, tell me what is mundane. Yeah, sorry. I must have got the listeners' heart rates sky high there with my lack of mundanity. So sorry about that. Let's take that right back down now to your resting heart rate and get, you, get us all thinking about something really mundane. Mm. And what better mundane thing to think about than our beds and where we sleep. Ooh. And uh, onto a topic that I think is actually a very emotional one. So maybe not so mundane after all, but I've gotten a lot of mixed reactions to this one. And maybe we've touched on it before in the podcast. We've done so many episodes now that I can barely remember. But Nicola, my question to you is this. Do you prefer the Scandinavian approach of having two individual single duvets on a double bed when sharing with a partner or loved one? 100 I have been converted to the Scandinavian way of life, uh, which I think is is Scandinavian, but also quite Northern European. I think they do it also uh, quite a bit in Germany. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, two dunas, no fighting over um, duvets. Yes, duna is the, is the Danish term. No fighting over the sheets in the middle of the night. And that's, you know, my background is that Actually, as coming in an Italian household, you always have one big sheet and mm-hmm. layers of sheets, not yeah. just uh, a duvet, right? So, uh, but honestly, the duvet wins, uh, the separate duvet wins uh, also in terms of a happy marriage, I believe, at least for us. Having said that, the duvet in the summer, when you live somewhere that doesn't have air conditioning, sucks. Yeah. That's fair. And that's a whole separate topic. And I suppose yeah, that's 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 just as bad both ways, right? Like if, whether yeah. it's one single or, sorry, one large double duvet or two individual ones, you have that summer problem here in Denmark where, with our complete lack of air conditioning. Yeah. But 
I have a question then, actually genuinely out of a bit of curiosity and practicality. When you travel, right, mm. I've, I've struggled massively with this. We have yeah. a very strong preference as well for the two single duvets, right? And most hotels, if you go double bed, they're like, say no more fam, I've got you, double duvet as well. So then when you put a little comment in the booking and go, actually, we would love the two single duvets, a lot of hotels, for some reason, get like mm. very triggered by this. And they're like, that is not possible. We will not be doing that for you. If you it's don't true. like it, you can book another hotel, basically. It's words to that effect. Yeah. Uh, taking me very much aback. Have you had that as well? We've had that. We've also had it uh, where... Uh one of the two ends up with that crappy blanket that's in the closet of the, exactly. of the hotel room. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's very tricky to pull off in a, in a hotel room. If it's a short stay, nobody will complain. Uh, but those are some of the, the worst nights, uh, ending with, uh, with subconscious kicks to each other exactly. uh, under the sheets uh, and whatnot. And... Uh, or with the the air conditioning breathing down somebody's neck because their back is uncovered because the other one took all exactly. the sheets. Um, I've I've had multiple times on those trips yelled at me, Nick, what are you doing in the middle of the night? And obviously I'm sleeping, so I have no clue. Um, but I also I have very particular sleeping habits. I move around a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I often sleep with earplugs and a mask plus an extra pillow over my head. So I'm uh, I'm usually um, the one to blame. Um, but yeah, and then there's also the topic when you come to a hotel and there's the single duvet. Uh, sorry, the yeah the single duvet, the big one that you share. Exactly. That everything is super tucked in, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and this drives Maria crazy. So like the moment we get into a hotel room, because when you have these our approach right these single duvets it's not tucked in right it's loose and like you're tucking yourself in like in a sleeping bag um she just starts pulling everything out now the problem is in a nice hotel bed you start pulling out all sorts of things once you start doing that because there's extra sheets there's comforters underneath and everything and the bed just becomes a disaster where somebody's foot is just going to be on a bare mattress at some point uh, and that's the worst. You just and no. you, you, especially in a hotel bare mattress, you really don't want to think too hard about uh, what that what that mattress has seen. So yeah, I think uh, it's a whole world of of discuss. It's a bit like the how the sausage gets made. When you're in a hotel room, you just can't think too hard about you know the where you are and what's happened in there. So yeah, have to just push it out of your mind. Try but you're aligned on on our duvet approach. You and Yura do the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it just like we've really struggled. I was in Singapore last summer. And mm. like we always do, I gave him my best shot. So I just said, hey, and I knew like the, the translation, <laughs> the, the English just wasn't going to fly here. But I gave him my best shot and I said, hey, please, we would like two single duvets on the bed. So we get to the room, one big blanket, no other duvet. So we go right. down to reception and we go, hey, we'd actually like two <laughs> single blankets on the bed. And they're like, two single beds? No, 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 no. That's not possible. You booked a double room. I was like, yes, I know, I know, I know. But two single duvets on the bed. Just take it from another. And they're like, aha. Gotcha. We'll be right there. So we go back to the room, knock at the door, and what do they bring to the room? But one of those crappy little, you know, the the exact one you uh. talked about, like the little crappy one. And then, honestly, I'll, I'll finish the story here, but it could go longer, is uh, we called down and said, hi, you brought up um, a thin blanket, but we actually want like a full single blanket to come up. And they're like, aha, say no more. We'll be right there. Knock at the door. It's a second thin blanket that they brought back up so we then ended in a situation where we have a double blanket two very thin flimsy single blankets and we just had to you know make do with that but the language barrier being what it was it just wasn't it wasn't happening we just had to let it go 
because your level of English isn't uh, up to par because the language in Singapore is English. You know, (laughs) I I sound like a a just incomprehensible Irishman raving at them. So yeah, it was uh, it was impossible for them. But sure, look, we survived. I'm still here now. Well, there you go. Uh, But yeah, definitely another thing you're triggered by. I'm triggered by it. Turns out many many things. I think that's what we can. we can conclude. And I do think podcasting brings out the worst in me in that sense. Like I, I do mm. go about my day generally not expressing my triggeredness. And maybe it's just when you put a microphone in front of me and broadcast it to potentially hundreds or thousands of people. That's when I really get going on things I want to complain about. Again, Freud would have a field day. I'm sure any psychologist could uh, could write a thesis on this, but that's for another episode. Well, there you go. The floodgates have open listeners. And in our next segment... The gates to the park, housing our many Mount Rushmores, will open for you. Listeners, welcome back. Here we are, Neil, looking out over this amazing view of... Mount Salzburg here in Salzburg, Austria, where you chose to put our sauce, Mount Rushmore. And for a reminder to listeners from last episode, and for those of you just joining us, we decided on the last episode, objectively, that ketchup, mayonnaise, and sriracha should be on this mountain. And then we needed the listener's help to decide on the fourth one between mustard satay, soy, and BBQ. Neil, how do you feel about this, not yet knowing the results of the poll? A little bit concerned. Uh, I want barbecue to be on there. I'd be very sad. I just can't imagine a future without barbecue. I know what I said. I know I said that barbecue is the derivative of ketchup and that maybe you could just make it with ketchup and something else. Mm. But that's beside the point. I love it that much that I want it on my Mount Sauceberg not sauce more, by the way. We we resist yeah. temptation to just call it sauce more. It's exactly. called Salzburg, guys, by the way, because it's in Salzburg. So they we're kind of tying it into the name. Just so just if anyone's unclear. Thanks for clarifying that, Neil. So poll results are in. And well, in last place for this fourth spot on, on Salzburg, right? So for the Teddy Roosevelt spot, with zero mm-hmm. percent of the vote, Neil, crushed, even worse than Ralph Nader in two thousand four is satay sauce, peanut yeah, sauce. Yeah, yeah. Not much love. Because you, you were pushing for that one quite hard, I thought, that in the episode. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it was happy to be there, satay sauce. Uh, yeah. But can it really be considered to be up Certainly there? Certainly not. On the, not on, on the, the Rushmore? No. Don't put it on the wall. No, no, no. You want me on that wall. You can't handle the truth. Can't handle the truth. Uh, a few good men reference, which, Neil, I believe you've still not seen. I've seen. Oh, you've uh, seen it now. So, the, so I, I thought I've uh, at least I've watched like parts of it at some point, and I've seen a stage production of it. So hey, look, that's how it I, started. Uh, the stage yeah, production, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, there it's you go. Out his best. Anyway, sorry. Back to Sauce Moon. So third place with seventeen percent of the vote, Neil. I'm sorry to say, is barbecue. Out. That's quite painful. Um, I think everyone's wrong about that one, objectively. So democracy has failed once again. But uh, we move on. <laughs> so the final for the final spot on the mountain the final was a mustard against a soy sauce hmm okay and with a result of 50% to 33% whoa 
mustard is up on that mountain wall. Okay. I'm going to, like, accept defeat here. I really was quite against mustard for, for very, I thought, quite clear reasons. You and me both. Yeah. Like, who sits around and goes, do you know what I love? Mustard. Like, nobody mm. does that. Like, it's 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 a fine sauce. I'm sure it's it's important historically. It's uh, it's interesting. It has a, you know, a unique place in culinary arts or whatever. But no, it's not a banger of a sauce. That's the hill you're going to die on. And I was really surprised by, dare I say, and I have to be careful with the word I choose here, but how conventional our listeners are. Mm, yeah. Very conservative. Hyper-conservative. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go, electorate of Salzburg, Austria. You're going to have mustard as filling up the final spot of your mm. wall in uh, in Salzburg. So that's Mount Salzburg. Um, it was a great ride. Uh, Satay sauce, barbecue sauce, soy sauce. Thanks for showing up. Um, I think really the, the dark horse, which nobody would have expected at the start, but was automatically mm. slotted in here is in the third seat, in the Abe Lincoln seat, Sriracha. Yeah, exactly. And that, I think, is a testament to the power of Sriracha because, as I learned only a few years ago, if you're making basically anything, any dinner, and it's not going your way, you're tasting it along as you go, and you're like, oh, uh-oh, no, something's missing here. Don't know if it's salt or sugar or fat or heat or what, but something is not, not correct here. Just lash in some Sriracha, and it just fixes it. doesn't even make it that spicy. It just makes it taste good. Honestly, it's so good. It's great. We love Shiracha, and it's great to have it there. Now, Neil, before we get into today's postulations, we also had the Mount, a board game located in Nepal. Sure did. On K2, I believe. So you could see it from Everest uh, was the idea, I think. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. Um, now, this poll, a lot, lot closer, was a board fight, if you will, yeah. between Battleship, Clue, Ticket to Ride, and Risk. Mm. Now, with 12% of the vote going out in the first round was Ticket to Ride. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had a shot at a, a modern classic here trying to get it in, but ultimately, right. it, maybe it was never going to compete with the big boys. Maybe in a few years. Then we had, actually, a tie for second place, both with 25%, and the winner took this home with only 38% of the vote. A Dutch election, dare I say, Neil. Oh, dear. Close and very close. Demand a recap. I don't know. Very, very close. Uh, just a matter of a few million votes here and there. Yeah. Um, with 25%, Neil, going home is Clue. Fair. Fair, right? And the winner with 38%, sending Battleship home also with 25 the winner is Risk, Neil. Okay. I, again, like, this, it's great to do a podcast sometimes because you really start, and when you get the listener feedback, you realize, wow, I really don't know much about stuff, you know, like, because I, re right. I really don't get, and I don't, I don't meet these Risk players. I don't know who they are. Like, <laughs> nobody in my life has ever been like, do you know what I love? Risk, the board game. Most people actually dislike it and they go, do you know what I hate? That bloody risk game. It takes 10 hours to play and it's like so complicated. Kids hate it, you know. Right. Uh, I, they must be out there. They listen to the podcast. They wrote on the polls, but like, please come tell me about it. I would love to try playing risk as well. I'm sure it's, it must be good because, I mean, people seem yeah. to like it, but this is a surprise. But what we could see here, the pattern 
coming out of this is that our listeners are not necessarily picking favorites. Our listeners might be taking the Rushmore exercise yeah. to look at legacy and greatness. Yeah, yeah. I guess they're going for the least controversial addition to the world, right. you know? Right. Which is which is okay, I guess, but like Rushmore is also pretty controversial. Like it is mm -hmm. it, it, it is a selection of four presidents out of the fifty whatever, you know? No. How many are we on now? Fifty two? We should what No, I think like forty five. Forty five, yes, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the others weren't really in the running. I mean yeah, yeah. Back then. Yeah. Well, at the time, they still had how many to choose from. It was like, they probably had about 20-something to choose from. Yeah, something. definitely. Yeah. At least at least 50% of the of the current, right? Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. know that the surviving presidents were like a bit bitter about it and like... Right, they were, right. They were the clue in this analogy or the battleship, you know? Exactly, exactly. But yeah, there you go. So joining us in Nepal, Risk joining Chess, Go and Monopoly, Neil's favorite game. Yeah, grudgingly letting Monopoly through here. I think time will time will not be kind to Monopoly. As as board games continue to get better mm. and better, the mainstream opinion of Monopoly will evolve to the point where it's like, I don't have fun playing this game, you know? And then then we'll we'll drop it to the wayside. The feedback is fair, Neil. It's received. And we're gonna continue on this postulation journey of a Rushmores. Now, shifting over from mundanity to pop culture. And Neil, you've got something packed for me. Let me know what it is. Sure do. It is a list that I have tried to keep it to like 11, 12 names here. Oh, wow. In fact, no, sorry, 11, 12, 13, 40. Like, but it could be way longer, actually. And it keeps getting longer year after year. So I think this is one that you will have some strong opinions of. I have a proposal of who makes the cut as well, but let's see what you think. Okay. This is, the category is actors who successfully transitioned from comedy to drama. Oh, 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 bread and butter here. Oh, yeah, wow. This is, this is your home turf. This is your Wrigley, Wrigley Field, right? My Wrigley, so another <laughs> baseball analogy, just as I happen to be wearing the Chicago Cubbies cap. And see, there you go. I'm not, uh, I'm not that clueless. That was did, a swing. Where did you get Wrigley Field from? Uh, it was a shot in the dark. I, if you ask me to name one baseball arena, that's the one. Oh, the city arena I could also name. The one in New York. But uh, that's it. Did you call it the city arena? Yeah. Oh, oh, City Field. The, city Field. The yeah, old yeah, Shea Stadium. One. Okay, New York Where Mets. Where the, the Yankees are. Yeah. No, that's the Mets. The Yankees no. play at Yankee Stadium. No. Really? Yeah. Sure. I thought I went to a Yankees game. Whoops. Well, you might okay. have gone to a Mets game, but that's all right. May have. That's okay. That's okay. It was unmemorable either way. So, uh... Without further ado, we are going to talk about the actors who successfully transitioned from comedy to drama. Now, I'm going to throw out the ones who didn't make the cut first, okay. right? Oh, wow. Just throw them out. Quite Executive rapid decision. Fire. Yeah, yeah. Now, oof, yeah. You're going to, we're going to have an issue here as to gender as well. So let, let's see. We may need to rework my list, but okay. here, here it comes. We've got Will Smith. Didn't make the cut. Started it with comedy. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air as a comedy show fundamentally and, you know, has earned a lot of drama since. Aubrey Plaza from Parks and Rec transitioning most famously into White Lotus, but also mm -hmm. a lot of her own her own directorial work as well as acting. And a double, a duo from Parks and Rec, Rashida Jones as well, who started in Parks and Rec as a comedy actress, and or mm -hmm. actor, I should say, and uh, featured in The Social Network and has gone on to, to become quite a serious actor in her own right. And so these one, are the ones that didn't make the cut? Did not make the cut, yeah. Oh, You're okay. going to hear well. who made the cut now in a sec. But uh, number three, Julia Louise Dreyfus. So Seinfeld. Veep, yeah, Seinfeld and like Veep, yes. But then also some serious acting along the way too. Um, Adam Sandler, 
famously Big Daddy and etc. etc. Before didn't doing, make the cut. Did not make the cut. Yeah, because uh, these are all timers, right? Like you're going to hear yeah. who they're up against. Okay. Okay. Bill Murray did not make the cut either. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm not talking. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Will Ferrell. And Will Ferrell, I think, is fair because amazing comedy actor. Haven't really seen him in much seriousness. I know he was in Burn After Reading, but beyond that... Like, but are we... Just let me... Just for a quick calibration yeah. here. We're mm. successfully transitioned from... From so comedians, comedy. From comedy to... To drama. Drama. Dramaturgically. It can't just be like comedians who became really good famous actors in comedy movies. They have to have become serious. Okay, know? that clarifies. Uh, Will Ferrell. Uh, Kristen Wiig we had as well. SNL uh, alum with, uh, sure. with some great uh, appearances in the last few years. Uh, and then we have Dave Chappelle, who, okay, like, mm. let's 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 not uh, <laughs> give you too generous to, uh, to Dave, I should say, right. who is basically cancelled at this point. But he does appear in... Ah, quite a few movies recently, actually, in serious roles. Was it Lou? He was Bannon? in. Uh, yeah. There was in a Star Is Born at one point. I that's had no clue. Star All of born. a sudden, you see him on the screen, and I'm like, "That's Dave yeah. Chappelle doing some serious acting." Yeah, exactly. And Jason Bateman, who I think best known from uh, Arrested Development, shows up in Ozark and does an amazing job mm. actually in that. So these are all um, examples of how many actors who did not make my Rushmore. Here comes my Rushmore. Okay, you ready for this? All right. Number number one, Jim Carrey. Mm. Come on, you can't you can't debate that. That's not only Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, but The Truman Show, and who knows what else. Bill Hader. Why do I say Bill Hader? Because mm. pure comedy guy for years and years and years. Yeah. And then he goes and makes Barry season one, two, and three, picking up all the Emmys along the way. Robin Williams. Big example as well. The genie, famously, mm -hmm. uh, among many other comedic appearances over the years, going on to, as we all know, some fantastic examples. And then Jamie Foxx. I recently watched Jamie Foxx in Collateral, and uh, I think he did a phenomenal job. And mm -hmm. mainly just for that reason, I'm putting him on my Rushmore here. So those are the, my my top four. So long list, lots oh, to yeah, debate yeah. here. We need to. We'll probably have to, you know, restrict ourselves as to how much we debate here. But uh, yeah, what are your thoughts? Wow, wow, that's um, a lot of thoughts here. A lot of thoughts. After you, you, you gave me the clarification of successfully transitioned to to a drama role. Give me your Rushmore one more time. You got Jamie Foxx. You got Bill Hader. You got Jim yeah. Carrey. And who was the fourth? And Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Well, rest in peace. Um, mm. All right, I'm gonna analyze those four first. Okay. Robin Williams. I'm inclined to say yes, also in part to being in one of my favorite uh, dramatic roles, which is his role in Goodwill Hunting. Exactly. I right? think that's the one that's going to swing it for him as well, because not that many of his movies were actually serious at all. No. But that one certainly was. I mean, I guess um, Good Morning Vietnam had its. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Had its undertones, right? Um, he he was there. I mean, he was in the game. I I'd say low key, from a from a drama perspective, underrated. Robbie mm -hmm. Ro Robin Williams. Yeah. Um. So that's Robin Williams. I could see him being up there. I think that's that's respectable. Um. Jamie Fox. Like while you were doing the cuts, I was thinking Jamie Fox. Um. He could also be on another Rushmore, which is this transitioning from music to the screen successfully. 
Um, That's true. Perhaps the George Washington of that one. Well, you could say also uh, Will Smith. What was the Will Smith not being here logic? Um, I don't think he's a great actor. Now, Mm. that's that's a bit harsh, maybe for an Oscar-winning actor, but um, I'm just not terribly convinced. Like, I've seen him in things like Concussion, where I thought he did a pretty lame job. Um, Mm. Could have been a really really good movie. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I Am Legend met. Uh, mm. Hitch, what's it called? Hitch, yeah, didn't like that. The superhero movie he was in did not like that. Not many people did. King Richard, uh, King Richard didn't like him in that as well. I thought no. it was over. It was like a caricature oh. and just not yeah. like not that nuanced, really. You know. Yeah. Um. So I, I just personally have a bit of a vendetta. Also, also, when are we going to call the police for on him? You know, when is he going to be prosecuted for slapping uh, another person? Are we bringing um, this back? The statute of limitations hasn't run out. He can no, still be arrested only been two for two years. Yeah, and he should be. Like honestly, uh, he, Do you, you think know, someone actually called the police. The, the Oscars should have called the police. They didn't. But I'm just saying, like, uh, Killer Mike was thrown out of the Grammys last week because he apparently got physical and there was some kind of violent altercation. And this was after Killer that. Mike won yeah. a few Grammys, right? Right. Uh, and the, the police were called and he was taken out. Why was Will Smith not escorted from the building after he did that? I I still don't get it. I feel that's like true. I've gone crazy and everyone's like, oh yeah, but that's fine. I mean, you're allowed to slap Chris Rock. That's fine. He actually like, went the, on to win his Oscar yeah. after the slap. Exactly. And w- went up and did a speech as if nothing had happened. Like, we ha- we shouldn't let this go. I really don't think. I, I, I Yeah. Anyway. That's oh, why. That's oh, why. That's why. Okay. Fair, fair, fair. So we got Fox. We've got Robin Williams. And Jim then. Perry. Okay. Now, Jim Carrey is where it gets interesting. I, okay. uh, I've always been super annoyed by Jim Carrey. I'm, I'm not going to be objective at all here. I didn't okay, like, no, no. Uh, like as a kid growing up, you and I coming from this silent generation, uh, had a lot of Jim Carrey on our screens, mm-hmm. and I never liked him. I didn't like Ace Ventura. I wasn't crazy about Liar Liar. I thought he was always playing, quite frankly, a jackass. Um, mm-hmm. in all his films, uh, maybe doing it well, but like never endeared to me. The Mask, neither, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm judging his comedy side, right? That's fine. Yeah, yeah. The, the transition, which he pushed for very heavily, is very well documented how much he wanted to not be recognized any longer as the Ace Venturas of the world. Um, I don't think there's enough there. I mean, yes, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh, but he did, in a way, typecast himself, and there were not that. Truman Show, yes, absolutely. But Truman Mm -hmm. Show, the character he's playing, although he shows incredible growth in the film, is, in the beginning, quite Jim Carrey-ish, very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, It plays to his strengths as a, like, he... He inhabits the character as Jim Carrey. Like it's it's not like a character in the sense that it's different to him. Like it's very authentic, but I do think that he's very believable in the role. Like that he does exactly what you want an actor to do in that role, which is to like really feel it visibly along with you. You know, like you you really yeah it it, it works for me. Like it uh, it is Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey in the Truman Show in Eternal Sunshine as well as one. I think it's unbelievably successful as a character as a new version of him that we haven't seen before and that's still yeah it, it's just crazy good that film I need to go watch it again actually I have an alternative to him 
Um, okay. I'm going to keep it to myself for a second because I want to analyze your your last guy, who we talked about a lot over the summer because we both watched the series Barry, um, yeah. which started funny and then got super dark with him acting, directing, writing it. Um, and I would be quite inclined to, yes, say he's managed that transition incredibly. Um, having said that, do we just rate this on the basis of Barry? Is that enough? That's a fair, fair question. Uh, I think it is enough in this case. So uh, I haven't actually seen Bill Hader in much else. I'm actually doing a very quick Google here just to see, is there anything, any other serious roles I've seen him in? But the thing is, how long is a movie, right? Like mm. um, Eternal Sunshine is mine, say it's two and a half hours, uh, Truman Show, two hours. So that's only five hours of content that was enough for me to put Jim in that list as well because it was that good. And Barry is more than that. It's like three series. It's hours and hours of content. Yeah. So I, I know that like we would prefer if there were some great movies that Bill Hader had been in that kind of justified. But let's not forget It as well. He does a great job in It. It part two. Um, he does. It's very serious. There's no. He's not. He, okay. He plays the funny guy in the group, but like it's a very serious horror movie that he does quite well in. Hmm. Um, so that one and Barry is enough for me I think to get him in here so my ooh so alternatives okay I'm gonna pitch yeah, you okay. a few here yeah, yeah, yeah go for it first one Sandra Bullock is she a, I, I, if she's from comedy then that's news to me she was very early on, very like lighthearted, a rom com type of actress. Um, sitcoms, doing sitcoms. So, kind okay. of, let's say, a la, a la Jennifer Aniston in a way. Um, mm -hmm. She was, you know, always there was something about her, right? But then the, all of a sudden, she makes this transition from, yes, she goes and does things like speed with, with Keanu, right, in, in the 90s, um, does some, some horror flicks, etc. But then as she starts to, to come of age, I mean, she's all of a sudden lights out, right? I mean, we get, we get the blind side, we get all of these films. I mean, remember, Miss Congeniality, mm -hmm. that was still comedy bullock, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? I'm struggling to get to... And I'm then she becomes Oscar here. winner, Sandra Bullock. Yeah. But I I fully buy that she's an amazing actor, right? Like, right. no no problem there at all. My issue with this is when I was creating this list, I really started with who do we know from... Like, who did we come to know as a comedian and laugh at them and like really, mm. you know, get into that from, from that direction? And then if we go through Sandra Bullock's IMDb from the bottom up, right... She stars in a 2.9 reviewed on IMDb movie called Hangmen, which to me seems like some kind of a action movie. Then it's Bionic Showdown. Then yeah. it's Who Shot Path. Then it's The Preppy Murder. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think it's like, I'm a comedy person. Here you go and do that for ages and then transition, if you get me. That's that's yeah. my issue here. I, I, mm. but I see the point that she's very, um, what's the word, diverse or like very... Uh, flexible in what she's able to do and she can play any any character very well it's just that i don't know if she built her career on comedy to start with noted noted um i'm gonna keep that postulation i'm gonna park it for a second okay. i have another one for you another alternative which is steve carell at the peak yeah, of his uh, comedic powers number one 
yeah. then starts to transition. And, I mean, a fantastic uh, dramatic actor. We've seen him even recently in things such as The Morning Show, where he, he plays uh, basically a, uh, a predator uh, in, in the workplace. We've seen him in things like uh, the that film where his son is Timothy Chalamet. I think it's called A, a Beautiful Boy, where his son is this uh, basically addict, uh, and he has to deal with that, and it's one of the most emotional. I know you hate it when I describe films like this, but one of the most emotional films I've seen in the last five, six years. Um, I think Steve Carell uh, managed what Will Ferrell kind of tried in the mid-2000s but wasn't able to do. I see it. I think this is a clear example of big tick in the box from comedy that no question we're talking about an all-timer. And uh, unfortunately, I I did consider him for this list and I just thought, what do I have to go on here? Well, I know he was good in Foxcatcher, I guess it is. Also um, Foxcatcher, exactly, with Channing yeah. uh, Tatum and uh, Mark Ruffalo. Exactly, exactly. The Big Short, I guess you could say, is not a comedy role. He kind of shows up well. Very serious Vice, role. Vice is a comedy role, but yeah, still. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen The Morning Show, so maybe that hasn't swung me. So I guess all of that to say, I don't have enough ammo in my Steve Carell gun who pulled the trigger. But you had enough ammo for two showings of Jim Carrey. We've just named 10 for Carell. Yeah, but it's about. it's not just about the quantity. It's about the quality. I just haven't seen enough of like, wow, impressive acting. You know, that's you're not, uh, you're not going to take Carrie down from this uh, from this wall, are you? Unless the listeners pull him down. I'm sure the listeners will agree with me on this one. Jim Carrey, of all, like when you say, actually, I'm pretty sure if you just unprompted ask people, what's a great example of a comic actor who actually went on to be very successful as a serious actor? Jim Carrey is probably the first one that people say. Nah, come on. Let's even do the it. Jamie Foxx, even Will Smith, they would say before Mr. Carey. Oh, I don't. I, Martin I, Lawrence. I despair. I despair. I despair for our listeners. Martin uh, Lawrence, I like. That's a, that's a fair point. But, but he didn't um, really go to dramatic, yeah. did he? Um, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going down this road. So one, I would like a bit more respect on the name of Aubrey Plaza. Yep. Totally agree there. Like, yeah. just. That's the lost impostulation type of humor, that dryness. We're currently rewatching The White Lotus, and we, we started season two again the other night, and it's just yeah. uh, like, what an actress. Um, yeah, yeah. In her own way, right? Um, just this very, very like dark humor. Uh, but I think, I don't know if I want to put her as one to watch or if, if we really go for it and put her up on that wall. Um, but she hasn't had, I think, the big hit film role yet. I do believe um, that that's going to be coming soon. Yeah. Um, hopefully, after her performance in, in last year's White Lotus. But yeah, just a shout out. Uh, a lot of respect to Aubrey Plaza. Dare I say, one of my favorite actresses. Yeah, I mean, she's a rare something. I mean, there, there just aren't many who do what she does or can do what she does with a level of acerbic venom that only she can bring you know i think she right. is, she's unique in that sense and i think her best days are ahead of her from an acting perspective i think we, we haven't seen what she's capable of yet so give it time i have one for you that maybe he hasn't done that transition yet but i think he's incredibly well placed if he wants to do it 
is Jonah Hill. Yeah, yeah. Now, we have actually had a couple of examples from Jonah. I don't know if you saw uh, on Netflix, there was a really weird Netflix show called Maniac, I think it was called. Yes. Um, That was him at his most serious. He basically plays an extremely depressed person in it the whole way through. And it's it's jarring for the first while because you're like, yeah, super bad. Like, you know, it, it, you're expecting a bit more energy, but uh, it does a good job. And then, of course, Wolf of Wall Street, super, super work there. Um, actually, he's done a lot of good stuff. We have to uh, we have to consider him. I think we have to consider Jonah. Um, really, I think he's also he's very much venturing out into into writing producing and 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 directing at the moment right so he had his first uh fil- his own film uh a couple of years ago that one about skateboarding i think it was called mid 90s um mm. and he's he's working on a, he had a documentary called stutz coming out last year yeah i mean i i would consider It's a tough one, though, because it's all about who do you take off, and then i uh, that's where I get stuck again. Uh, I mean, so we have Carrie, we have a hater, we have Fox, and we have uh, Robin Williams. I mean, honestly... My the only two locks from yours at the moment for me, and I'm not saying I have great alternatives because you shot everything down. Uh, do my best. Do my best. Are yeah. uh, are are Williams and Fox? Um, okay, okay. I'm glad Fox makes it. Yeah, I I definitely think now Fox he's versatile because he keeps dipping in and out, right? So mm-hmm. he'll also do a bunch of funny things and 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 play super funny roles and stuff. But he's also the guy that did. Django, and he's also the guy that did Ray, um, and he's also the guy that was the trainer in Ali, and um, like you said, he was, what, the cab driver in Collateral, which, do you like that as a film? I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I think it's, it's like interesting. 75% amazing, and then it just kind of trips up over its own feet towards the end a little bit, and just kind of loses it, loses the run of itself, but like, uh, super well done. Tom does a great job, I have to say. I'm the, I'm actually kind of a low key Tom Cruise fan. Like, you've you've he, gone on the record about that before, which yeah. uh, I mean, given your Scientological sympathies, kind of makes yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. Like he doesn't know how to act badly. He he can only act well. So it's just, it, it's unfortunate that I hate everything he stands for as a person. But like, his acting is good. True. True. Um. So no Aubrey Plaza, you said no Julia Louis-Dreyfus, which I guess is fair because, I mean, she hasn't done anything really dramatic, yeah. has she now? She's not winning any Oscars anytime soon, let's be real. Mm. Ah, do you know who you could put in? Uh, Olivia Coleman, actually. Was Olivia Coleman a comedian? Yeah, because Peep Show was her, like, rise to fame. She was in Peep Show for years and years, um, opposite David Mitchell, who we all love, or at least I do. And uh, has since gone on to win Best Actress. So that's that's one I could actually see my way. She kills it in at least one film and one series every, every year. year. That's true. That's true. I don't think, like, look, Olivia's a lock. Olivia is on there. Um, she's on there. She's got to be. Has she done enough comedy, do we think? She's in Fleabag as well. Very good in that. Well, that was your thing about... Um, 
Ah, she was also in Hot Fuzz early on. Yeah, also comedy, yeah. I mean, if I look at these first 10 years of her career, it's very skewed. Uh, and then she starts dipping into things, right? So she has, she plays, I believe, the daughter in The Iron Lady. Um, mm-hmm. And slowly she builds this up, I think, a masterful transition. Yeah, perfectly executed. Actually, a 10 out of 10 example. I think let's get her on. Also, let's get some diversity on this, Rushmore. Yes, please. But I think she's in. And I think I can take off, you, I know you're going to want to take off either Bill or Jim, right? Yeah. I would take, just because of the prestige levels, Bill maybe has more to come. So I would just say I could take Bill off for Olivia. Bill is off for Olivia. Uh, okay. That's that's fair. Um, by the way, sidebar, but we're going to have to do one of the ones that have done the transition the other way around as yeah, well true. and maybe failed at it. Yeah, true. Well, actually, because you have like um, some really good examples that I could probably throw a few, like uh, Robert Downey Jr., great example of like right historically serious actor who then did like Tropic Thunder to mix right. r- mix direction, but like you know, or Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder, same thing. Like, Best serious actors, in the movie. yeah, who actually have the chops, they have the the comedy bone. But uh, that's for another time, as you is say. The, is the Sandler discussion really closed? Uncut gems. Uh, yeah, uncut gems. That's it. So and. Crazy Stupid Love or Punch Drunk Love? What was it that he was in? Punch, Punch Drunk, Drunk Love. Love. Yeah, PTA. It. Um, but um, I guess I believe that his performance in Uncut Gems is good, but still Adam Sandlery. You know, like he doesn't mm. transform as such. Yeah. And Click wasn't like Click was a super depressing movie, for example. Or well, that I haven't seen. The Mayerovitz stories, not a great film. Hustle wasn't necessarily a comedy. Yeah, I mean, he played Hustle. himself. The basketball one, right? Where he goes and oh, he recruits yeah, the guy yeah, in Spain. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I never watched it. No, yeah. you watched it. You told me. What did you think of that? I liked it. The one where he's just with all the NBA players. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was the one where it was like, um, he wants to hang out with basketball players. How can he do that? Make a movie about it, you know? Exactly. Wasn't which it? Is, it was something like that. Which is yeah. the Sandler playbook, the last, like... 15 years is like I want to go on holiday with my family to Hawaii let's shoot the movie there type of Jeez. vibe yeah you're yeah. right like I have seen this movie I, I can now remember it but it's crazy how I basically deleted it from my memory I ha- it didn't really stick with me as such it was it's very like fine but it, it doesn't like you know stay with you that long you know what else Big Daddy of course he's funny yeah but it is a heartfelt film about fatherhood it has a heart it has a heart that movie yeah um, you know, Spanglish. Also, I don't think... Now, I'm not saying he needs to go up on this one, but I don't think he gets enough credit for what a good actor he is, comedic yeah. or otherwise. Yeah, I think he just did so many flamboyant characters like that were so out there and memorable, like Waterboy and all this stuff. It's just like no. so hard for us Billy to... Billy Madison, to, yeah. Yeah. So hard for us to not see him as this outrageous Jim Carrey-esque kind of high-energy dude, you know? I'll but make yeah, you a trade. I'll make you a trade. Okay. Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey cancel each other out. Neither is up on that wall. It's unfortunate because I would still say that Jim's work oh, trump, trumps Adam's. But no, I'm yeah. saying I'm going to agree with it, but I'm just saying... You know, there is a there's a one two here. It's not that they're equal. They're not they're not like two. Yeah, I, I and I think people would agree with me on this. Jim Carrey is special in that sense. Let's bring our listeners in on this then. 
Okay, fourth slot, we, we open it up. So fourth slot, I'd like to open it up. So we, we know, we have as a lock, we have Robin Williams, we have Jamie Foxx, we have Olivia Coleman now locked. They're up yes. there. Yes. This final poll, we would like to see Jim Carrey versus Mr. Sandler. Yep. Versus... Who else I mean, did I Aub mention? Aubrey Plaza you were quite into? I Aubrey guess we Plaza, can, yeah. Steve Carell, Sandra yeah. Bullock, we said she didn't really start comedy-wise, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's a good, because we can't go more than like four, right? No, I exactly. That's, like a, that's Steve, a good selection. St Steve Carell? I mean, let them, if, if we can fit a fifth in, yeah, let's do it. No, no, I, I mean, I guess then it's, it's Sandra or Steve Carell. Let's, ooh. I don't think Sandra's getting in. I'm sorry to say. She's a great actress, as I say. It's right. just, is she a renowned comedian, Sandra Bullock, or is she a renowned actor? And she'd probably yeah. win um, that poll, uh, but it would be more due to misunderstanding of the poll, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, let's have let's have Plaza, Carell, Carrie, and our man, which I just threw in here, Sandler. Back from the dead. Yeah. I feel our listeners, judging by their choice of board games and sauces, they're going to go as conservative as possible. So that would be, I guess, Jim Carrey or Adam Sandler. I don't know. But prove me wrong, listeners. Prove me wrong. Plaza is their honorable mention to, um, well, it'd be great if I remembered her name, but the one, uh, the one that's the mom in American Pie that is then in White Lotus, uh, the legend that's in both seasons of The White Lotus. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, I know who you mean. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge, thank you. Honorable mention. I mean, I think she had, uh, but that's more the career renaissance Rushmore, yeah, yeah. maybe. Which is a, that's a different Rushmore because there yeah. are Oscar winners from last year who who slot nicely into that one, as we know, Brendan Fraser. But uh, that's for another wall. That's for another Rushmore. And Neil, where would we like to see this mount, what are we even calling it? Tragicom. Yeah. Mount Chuck's more like chuckles, but but not but chuckling more, There's more to it than just the chuckle. Mount exactly. Chuck's more. I like there it. There we go. Chuck's more. Um, I mean, if Sandler's on there, we know he's going to want to put it in a holiday spot. That's for sure. But he's not on it yet. So we don't Do know. Do you know? I actually know where we should put it. Okay. I think. Every aspiring comedian, when they start their career, there's one place in let's say in, in this part of the world, in Europe, every aspiring comedian has one place they need to go to succeed, and it's Edinburgh in August to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. There you find the likes of John Oliver, who made his career there, or some of the biggest comedians that you, you can mention from the UK or Ireland have spent many an August in Edinburgh. And there's a, a little mountain just outside Edinburgh called Arthur's Seat, which is a nice little walk up. But I think we carve it into the side of that mountain because what we're saying to those aspiring comedians in Edinburgh mm. is look at your peers who have gone before you, who have not only ascended the throne of comedy, but then gone on to greater things or arguably less good things. But, you know, the point is, it's inspirational. And, well, that's, we're all going to Edinburgh. After Nepal and after Salzburg, it'll be Edinburgh. Listeners, let us know. We'll throw those polls up on all the socials who you want to see up on that wall. And Neil, that's all we had time for today. Yeah, how about that? We had planned to do two of these Rushmore's like we did last week. 
But there you go. When you get into it, you just it just creates so much debate and discussion. You could go for two more hours, but that's not what the listeners want. They want one hour max, and that's what we're here to deliver. So thank you to the listeners for coming along on this postulatory journey. And I guess we'll just have to take your one another time, Nicole. I guess we will. Listeners, let us know what you think of all these segments lostinpostulation at gmail.com if you're still with us now at the end of the episode and you haven't already hit that subscribe button please do really helps us to grow the podcast 